wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, well, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. Yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers, and find their keywords. Boom, magic, there you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept, and Scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum, and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords it's worth every penny i'm in that group come and check me out sellerlabs.com forward slash scope again use the word momentum solutions for e-commerce karen locker great 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 group i've been using them for a long time I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum, right? So you got to forward slash momentum and you're going to save $50 a month. 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link. She pays me. I don't want to hide that. I never do. I'm always upfront about that. But it doesn't cost you anything additional. And you're going to get that inventory health report. The only way you get that is through my link. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 278, Peter Kosissa. Now you know that name and you're thinking, hmm, where do I know that name? Well, he's Craigslist Hunter is what he goes by on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And he's been out there pumping out videos for a long time. Um, actually, we get to the number. He's put out over 250 videos of his own. That is an enormous amount of content. That's an enormous amount of activity and a lot of effort. Editing video is much harder than it is editing audio right because not only like the sound is one thing but now you got to worry about the camera angles and all the rest of that jazz and what they can see what you can't see very complicated and to do it is a passion and peter has a passion for many different things and you'll hear it in this episode and i think we get to some very some things that have been burning in my mind as i've watched him operate his business for the last couple of years um, and it's been a couple of years since I had him on. So his previous episode was episode number 63. That's his backstory, which is very, very cool. And again, I just, I'm fascinated by him and his passion for it. And it just, the way he delivers it, it's just so exciting for me. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. I'm very excited about today's guest. I could pause there for a second because you will not believe how long it's been since we last talked, Peter. Any guesses? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two years. God, you're good. Yeah, it's been two years, but a little bit more than two years. I went back and looked and I'm like, no, that can't be. And shocking to me, Peter Casissa, the Craigslist hunter. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you coming back. You were episode number 63. Um, you'll now be episode 278. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, it's, it's just crazy. Time flies. Um, it really does in this business. Um, how, many, how many videos, I asked Chad Pagel this question, how many videos on YouTube have you been, have you put out or been in? Any clue? Pretty much every single video that I put on, I'm in it. I'm, <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, including I their it, channels and a couple. Of, you've been in a lot of different groups. Uh, I think myself, the videos that I have uploaded, probably about 250 and another 50 to 100 on different channels. <laughs> so, have you thought about? that much content. I mean, that's an enormous amount of content, hours and hours and hours. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this. Do you still love it? Because it appears that you do. Absolutely. What is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, I think the main thing is the feedback that mm. I get. 
And, and you have a positive approach to things. You have a very positive approach to things. You blow off these price increases like, hey, I don't like it, or, you know, post office changes. Yeah, I don't like it, but there's nothing I can do. They, you know, we're lucky to be able to sell there. That approach, I think, is very attractive to people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is just part of doing business, right? I mean, it constantly changes, increases, constantly go up, um, and you can get bothered by it. I mean, it's just that's simple for me, you know, and you just adjust, adjust accordingly and, and move on. Well, it, that's a good point. If you, if you become complacent, would you get better? You'd be like, man, eh, you know, why bother with it? But this kind of forces it, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just the way it is, you know, so you just got to get used to it, move on. And, and that's all is to it. That's how I look at it. Not, none of the changes that come in positive or negative, it really changes my track, you know. Well, well, how long have you been selling now? I, uh, I I didn't go back and listen again, but it's been quite a long time. Over twenty years. Okay, so in twenty years, how different is it today? Yeah, the technology. Yeah, there's an internet. Obviously, you can go global and all that. That being the obvious change, but outside of that, how different is it? Well, the main thing is that obviously it's a lot easier overall to get into it. So you have a lot more competition, yeah, period. Okay. I mean, that's the main the main uh, difference. I mean, the selling has been around for hundreds of years, right? So, um, <sighs> so that part's the same. You know, I was thinking about this. You sell unusual and unique items generally, right? Is That's a fair statement, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I sell a little bit of everything, and, and a lot of these items are, a lot of them, one of a kind. So you don't have a lot of competition for the majority of the items that you're selling. How many people are selling that particular high-level uh, cassette deck that is just like very rare and this and that? Not much, right? Not, no, no. You, you're absolutely correct in that respect. That's why I like to <clears throat> Excuse me. That's why I like to go into those fields because the competition is not there. The items that I sell are usually bigger, um, harder to ship, harder to find. Um, and that's why I think I have a little bit of edge selling those kind of products. But don't get me wrong, though. I do sell quite a bit of newer stuff as well um, that I deal with competition. So, All right. You know, for example, you uh, you still sell CDs, DVDs, vinyl records, things like that, right? I mean, those are just everyday items that walk into your store that you still buy and sell, correct? Correct, correct. Although media like that, I tend to sell more just in my store. It's just not worth it? Is it? Uh, I mean, one of the things that you've intentionally tried to do is raise your average selling price. So is that part of it? Maybe I wouldn't say it's not worth it. It's just my store. It's a great outlet for that. Oh, you cool. know, I do get a lot of people that come and look for that stuff. So, you know, I, I would rather sell it in the shop um, than actually try to move that stuff online. You know, a couple of questions related to the shop because um, you have staff and you have a lot of challenges there. Would you having to do it over again, knowing what you know, knowing where the market is today? Would you do it the same way with a retail store? Um, wow, that's a loaded question because <laughs> I get that <laughs> I get that question a lot. Would you do it again? Um, 
I think I would, and mainly for this is the main reason I love the interaction with people. Hmm. Okay, it it just drives me the stuff that comes in every day, and I get to deal and haggle with people on a daily basis. That's what makes it exciting for me. Um, now the bad part of of running a shop is. Of course, you have a lots of lots of overhead, right? And you got lots of responsibilities, and people depend on you. Um, so that's the challenging part of of the business. Um, now, as you know, when we talked two years ago, my goal was to open right five more shops within the next five years. And guess what? When we talked. I just opened a shop in the second shop in a city that didn't work out seven months and I shut it down. So, well, let's stop there a second. So you, what I was thinking about was that your shop allows you to do experiments. You get to try something, you get to pull back where a lot of people can't make those same choices because Part of the reason is you have people that are supportive, right, or in support roles. So you can buy merchandise, and they can buy merchandise, which is interesting to me. But then they get it listed. They get things moving, right? You have some, you have a machine in place. So it allows you to dabble in these other things. So trying that second shop, um, what what didn't work about it? I mean, what was the – and I know the answer because you and I just saw each other in Chicago um, late last year. So I kind of know the answer. But – but what was it? It's not a failure. It's a lesson, right? Absolutely a lesson. Um, a lesson that I learned quite a bit of it. Main main reason was I think it was a poor choice for me, the location. Um, as you know, in retail business, brick and mortar, it's all about location, location, location. And it w- I didn't do enough study that's what I believe that I didn't do enough study where did I place that second shop um, which I thought it was in a great spot but obviously wasn't so um, well, what specifically what was it I mean when you think about why is your current one so successful could you contrast the two to, to, to kind of suggest what what the differences are and and what it's led you to conclude I think for I didn't understand different clientele first of all um, I think I did not understand at the moment how how competitive the city itself is. Now, the shop that I have right now, it's about 45 minutes away from the city. It's in suburbs. Um, the shop that I opened in Chicago um, in very competitive area, um, a few similar shops within a couple mi- miles radius, and the shop that the location of, of that new store was on a street that seemed to me that it's super busy, lots of traffic, but actually that was the problem. The traffic was just flying by. Yeah, nobody stopped or there was no parking or those kind of things. Hmm. Exactly. I had issues with the parking there, which is kind of crucial in this kind of business that if people want to bring you stuff, they got to have it convenient, right? They, gotta, they can park right by the shop. They can bring the stuff in. And that wasn't the case. Yeah, so, the other thing I would think would be is that city or uh, people who live more in the city have already downsized, right? They have gone down in stuff because they're forced to. And so therefore, they would have less merchandise that might be of interest to you. At least that's my mind, my conclusion there. 
Yeah, you're probably right as well uh, on that. Although you know you have a lot more, lot more people in right. very concentrated areas, so that would kind of offset, right, I would right, think. Right. You know, but but still, you know, we we gave it a shot, and you know that the shop wasn't like losing money, but it wasn't making money after seven months. Could I gone a little bit longer? Probably, but at certain point, you have to make a decision, and and pull a plug. You know. Well, the other thing is you would end up stretching yourself thinner, right? And at this point in your life, is that something that interests you? Hey, well, let me ask you that. Is this something, have you given up on the idea or, you know, you, you, you know, that just because that location didn't work, you know, does that mean that you're not going to do another one or what are you thinking? Well, actually, great question. And we are still, still thinking about another shop, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. I want to put it in a different spot. I actually want to go. This is going to be more really retail outlet. Um, not as much maybe buying. Oh, interesting. So a little bit different approach and I want to be a little bit more niched, meaning probably concentrating mainly on vintage electronics. Um, so, and I'm thinking to do this possibly maybe right downtown Chicago, um, which is a huge challenge because it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing's cheap there. Even the labor costs. I tell the story. We have a, a 6,100 square foot, 173 square foot warehouse. So we have two, I mean, but they're, they're each about 6,000. The cost for my town versus a friend who has the same size is $5,000 a month different. $5,000 a month. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to me. I mean, because that is such a, a burden, yet we sell the same products. And now he's got to build that into his margin, right? How much more does he have to sell just to get the same cost? So, yeah, you know, I was thinking about your competitors, um, and I want to go back to experiment because I know you're doing an experiment, which fascinates me. I love your thinking. I just love, I love the, how comfortable you are in your own skin. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that. But what have you seen your competitors? Have they been changing? Like we just, we have a chain out by us called Bonton. I don't know if you have them in the Midwest, and they just announced that they're closing a ton more stores. And so one of them happens to be in my town. And so you think about the changing landscape of retail. Well, how about the changing landscape of the buy-sell trade? Because your competitors are pawn shops or other buy trading post type of businesses and then a myriad of other, you know, consignments and things like that. What have you seen changing in your area? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, there's actually not many, maybe just handful of stores in my area that same kind of type of business as I am, buy, sell, trade of kinds of all, all, all different items. I mean, there's a lot of pawn shops, right? But they mainly concentrate maybe just on a few niches that they know that they can make money, right? And their main goal is really doing loans, not so much. Um, okay. So um, I think, and there's quite a few stores retail that are going down, just like you're saying. I mean, that... In, in a lot of different niches, and we hear it all the time that retail is going down, right? Because, you know, the, the, the online is just booming. But I think you can, you can still survive in a brick and mortar if you specify in a certain just small niche. 
like really that you don't have much competition and people really want to come out and look at the stuff. That's why I said that I'm probably thinking just doing vintage electronics, which as of right now in such a big metropolitan area as Chicago, there's only one store that does really? that. Now imagine, you know, 50 years ago, there would have been one on every little dinky town would have had one. Exactly. That's crazy to think about. So, so you're really thinking that a niche down market and really tight, you think that still could, you know, back to your, your experiments in the store, what if, what are some of the things that you're trying now to do in your retail store? Because what fascinates me, like I see the snowblowers you sell. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Where are you going to go buy a used snowblower? Well, you're kind of play, or where do you sell a used snowblower, right? Other than Craigslist, which is kind of scary. Um, you're kind of the perfect place for those things. But then I see you, you know, buying in a summer for winter and buying in the, you know, winter for summer. I mean, that takes some real thought. What other things are you doing to try to expand out that, that business so when people think to shop, they think of you immediately? You know, <laughs> that's a great point. It's like right now, for example, I'm buying bicycles, right? Nobody mm -hmm. wants to think about bicycles. It's in the middle of winter, at least in this part of the country. Um, and I can get that kind of stuff really, really cheap. Because nobody's really thinking about it. Even if you find few ads people are trying to sell, it's usually cheap because they know they can't move it. Nobody's looking at that stuff. Um, but what I notice also in my in my shop, what sells really good within the last couple of years, um, and there's like couple niches that no matter of time of the year sell really good for me. For example. Like I mentioned, vintage electronics, it's nonstop. <laughs> LP records, it's nonstop. Um, I don't know if that trend is going to last for a very long time, but it's hot right now. Um, for example, knives. The best selling item in my shop are knives. That's crazy to me. You said that a couple times. Actually, when we were together, you told me that. And I'm thinking, what are all these people doing with all these knives? What are they doing with them? There's so many collectors, there's so many companies, um, I guess, especially guys, they love having their knives. <laughs> I mean, I have right now, I'm not kidding you, one, two, three, seven cases, display cases, just full of knives. It's crazy. I can get, you know, the fishing guy, you know, you're up by lake and you can fish and this and that. I get that. I just never, you know, it's the guy who buys the swords. What do they do with them? Exactly. And I have a full case just of swords as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny how it works, but, you know, there's, there's certain areas, certain niches that do better than others. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. That's interesting. So, you know, the thing that you also have is you have staffing. And I was thinking about this, too, is that how – I mean, obviously, they're critical to your operation. How long does it take for you to let somebody buy for you? I was thinking about that because you have guys that literally buy for you. you let, you've given them enough rope to make a purchasing decision. So, I mean, it's basically opening your checkbook and saying yes. How long does that take to get the confidence in somebody? Well, it all depends. I mean, I have actually quite a few people over the years, they went through the shop, right? Somebody comes in, we try to train them 
Uh, it takes good three, four, even up to half a year to train them to the point that you can say, okay, you are on your own. Uh, but I also had people that came with the experience. Oh. Um, so there's a little bit, you know, quicker, quicker transition for me to say, okay, you're ready to go. You know what you're doing. Uh, but still, even guys that I had with me for five years, if there's a, if there's a moment that they are not sure, they always going to reach out and ask Pete, can I spend $900 on this? Or can I spend even $150 on this? I mean, there's always, they, you know, they know that it's not their money. Right. I mean, it's easy, right? It's easy for somebody, I'm going to buy this, 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 this. It looks good. I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying. But they always, in the back of their head, they got to think they're playing with my money. <laughs> well, you so, have to temper it, though. Don't you say, like, okay, Steve, back it down a bit. We've got a lot of LPs sitting here. We don't want to really buy anymore unless they are the records, right? You know the ones, right? So is that kind of the guidelines? Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, it's all supply and demand. If I'm going to, if I have right now in the shop, you know, 26 snowblowers um, and we know that we got maybe a month left of winter, well, we're not buying anymore. Okay. I mean, it's simple. So it's, it's, it's those simple numbers that, you know, they know what's in, in, in the inventory and, you know, unless, unless it's a super great deal, you right. know, I can the always one. buy it and let it sit. Right, so. right. If you bought it at the right price or like I said, the exact vinyl, you know, that's hot. Do, how about this? When uh, people worry about staff, um, a stealing, but you have controls for that. But more importantly, them being you're creating competitors for you. So you you mentioned that you've had some people who have experience, meaning they probably have bought and sold other places, and now they decide to come and work for you. Is it because they don't want the responsibilities that come along with owning your own business, or they're just tired of that side of it? Um, and then second. What do you do to keep them engaged so they just don't come in and take all the best ideas and open up a shop two doors down? You know, and that's actually a very hard question to answer because you never know, right? I mean, you right. absolutely have no control about that, that somebody can come into your place, work for six months, a year, or a couple of years, learn ins and outs, and then they leave and they open up their own shop. Um, the only thing you can do, I think, in my opinion, is to, to give them the best environment that you can, that it doesn't give them even a thought of, okay, I should leave and do something on my own. You treat them right. I really try to treat my employees like part of the business that if they know that in a little way, this business, they really put in their, you know, certain percentage that this business depends on them. And I do really appreciate that, you know, showing them that we, I support them as well as they support me. Well, that's just so important because you yeah, retreat as you want to be treated. Um, well, has any of the employees came in and helped improve your process because they had experience before saying, oh, you know, I see you do it this way, Peter. We used to do it this way. I think it might be an efficiency. Are you open to that stuff? And has it happened? Yes, I am. And actually, it's it's funny because once once every couple of months, we'll have a meeting 
just to kind of brainstorm and go about different ideas that either me, myself, or, or my business partner, Adrian, will have and will ask the input of the employees. What do you think about this? Or how would you do this? Or do you have your own idea? Should we change this and do it? You know, so there's constant um, talk between each other to, to improve all the time. I think it's extremely important. I ask that question all the time. Why, how would you do this? Is it a better way of doing it? And especially, for example, you know, I have, um, uh, her name is Vicky. I'm sure you've seen it on my videos. She, she works in my eBay room. She's mainly responsible for 99% that's going on in the eBay room. And the stuff that she implemented to make that eBay room moving forward in a correct way, it's unbelievable. The things that she brought into the business that I had, no idea even of thinking about it doing that certain way that she does it so so and she's invested now right because she has you know she has some stake in the game these are her processes absolutely absolutely you know you put out all these videos have you ever had anybody actually create a model similar to yours I mean, are you aware of anybody that said you know what because i'm sure you get a million questions like this you know hey is this worth doing blah 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 are you aware of anybody who's done it not that I can think of. I had a lot of questions, people asking people come out, actually schedule time with me, come out to the shop. They want to learn the process. They want to do it themselves. And guess what? I haven't heard from anybody back that they started, they're doing this. All I hear all the time, I want to do it. Yeah. I wonder what that is. Why, why, why haven't they? What, what do you think is holding people back? Probably two things. First of all, it's, you need quite a bit of capital. So that might be the one, one of the things that, that's holding people back. And always when I talk to people, I tell them with a brick and mortar, you cannot expect return immediately. You just can't because you got so much invested to it that it takes time before people realize that you exist in that particular spot before you're going to turn the profit. Now doing stuff online a little bit different story you can be known right away right you have millions of millions eyes looking at you if you're doing amazon or ebay or etsy uh, a little bit different ball game when you're doing a brick and mortar it takes time let me ask you a question and you don't have to answer you could say that's out of bounds um what percentage of the purchases that you bring in get sold in the store you know so like your snowblowers and that any 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 guess I would say 40, 60. So 40% would be sold in the shop and about 60% online. All right. So the, here comes the next personal question. Of the 40% that gets bought to sell in the shop, does that basically carry the cost? Is that is that kind of the model that you're looking for is to carry the cost of the facility or the cost of facility, maybe the staff, maybe some of the staff? That's exactly the idea. Hmm. So... On a monthly basis, we try to buy enough inventory for the store that can be flipped right in the shop locally that will support the whole operation. The, the whole operation, including your eBay room or outside of that piece? Including the eBay room. Wow. And so that's what you're saying in the beginning. 
you have to have capital because if you have no customers coming in for that 40%, you got to wait to get it to that place. Is that the kind of math you say, okay, it's a two-year process to get to a certain level. You've got to have this amount of money times two years. And then at that point, it should carry that cost. Is that kind of the thinking? That's exactly the thinking. That's exactly the thinking. Um, because like I said, it, it does take time. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. When we first opened the shop, and this is many years ago, different location, lot smaller, we did not turn profit for the first 18 months. Wow. So, and, and you know, at that time, uh, you're still buying the constantly inventory because you're going to have, you want to have a great selection in the shop if anybody walks in. Um, so you constantly, anything that you make pretty much reinvesting. Yeah. I mean, it took us 18 months before we turn, before we turn a little profit. So I think that might be one of the reasons that, you know, some of the people are kind of like, Ooh, it's not as easy as it looks, right? I mean, it's all pretty on the videos and everything, but it's actually lots and lots of work. The other thing, it helps to have a partner because that gives you the ability to get away. That part is is a real issue, right? I mean, because if, if you didn't have a partner, then 100% of the buck stops with you. Um, and that's offers, especially in a startup, you know, because you, you get burned out. The risk is getting burned out. 100%. I mean, that's even even right now when I do have a partner, you know, sometimes it gets to the point that it becomes overwhelming. Although I can say that I am workaholic. I love what I do and I probably do it too much. And I, I don't know how to relax. My wife keeps telling me that all the time. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, but for sure, I mean, if you, if you have a partner, it would be a lot easier, right? You, you got to take breaks because otherwise you will burn out and you will burn out quick. Well, this is a that was a great transition into this comment. Because you're not busy enough, you decide to create an experiment with a another eBay store and to work from home. Not even so, you don't have to. So when you leave work, you could go home and work. Um, but what I appreciate is the fact that you're doing it again, basically from the ground up, saying, you know, I have limited space. Okay, I have limited capital. Okay. But I have this knowledge, and so therefore I'm going to transfer this knowledge. What's the is that? What's the thinking there? I mean, is it to prove that you can do it again for yourself, not not in an egotistical way? I mean, just to say I still got it. Um, you know, there's actually I'm going to give you two answers to that. Yes, one of them you're absolutely correct. Is it do I still got it, or do? And can I be even better at it starting oh, from a neat. scratch by knowing what I know now after doing this for so many years? Mm. Um, now, the second answer is I, I have so many people asking and commenting, especially on my videos, that they always sell, Pete, you sell all this stuff unique, unusual because of your shop, right? Because all this uh, stuff comes into you and you always have it's easy. It's easy. It's easy, right? Hmm. So that made me kind of thinking I would love to show the other side that I'm starting something from the beginning, from scratch, with no capital, not using my shop, just going out there 
in the wild, finding stuff, bringing it in, and trying to flip it. Would you say the biggest skill set that you learned is discipline? Because, I mean, I watch you go into a thrift store, and I don't know how long you're in there, but you come out sometimes with absolutely nothing or maybe one small item, but you're so cautious it appears. That discipline is so hard because when you start, you know, at least most people, and I don't know how you were, but at least how I was, you just buy everything because, you know, you're so enthusiastic. It's old, it'll sell, and this and that, and then you realize, wait a second, I've got a 100 of these. I mean, I can't sell all these, right, that kind of thing. That discipline has to be because that's a, that's a skill. Yeah, I mean... You are so correct with that because you can pretty much walk in to any store and you always find something and you have to tell yourself, okay, is it worth it? Do I know already how long it's going to take me to sell this? And most of the time I will say, yes, I know this is going to sit. This is not worth my time. Um, This is what I want to concentrate. There's a lots of times that I have something in my hand and I put it right back on the shelf and walk Hmm. away. Um, so it's, it's hard. It is hard, but it's definitely that mindset <coughs> that you have to put yourself in if you want to concentrate just on certain things and, and from experience knowing, okay, I know this will sell within days, this will sell with a couple of weeks, or, or this particular piece it's going to take forever, but I know I can get great money out of it. So it's just the learning process, right, that doesn't happen overnight. It took me many years to come to that point, um, and now I can apply it and, and, you know, figure out what needs to be done to to get it done. You know, as I sit and think about what you're just saying, it does allow you then to say, you know, Steve, I want to ratchet my life back, and I only want to make $3,000 a month because that, you know, is what I need, and, you know, the rest I have covered. Therefore, I now, if I'm disciplined and I know what I'm buying— I could put in X number of hours now and really design my life as I want with this knowledge and that strength of discipline. To me, I'm sitting there listening to you thinking, very, it sounds very simple to me that you could do that confidently. You agree? Absolutely. And, and the other thing is, you know, when you, <clears throat> everybody always thinks, you know, it's, it's money. I want to make, you know, 150000 a year. I want to make half a million. I want to make. No, it's what makes you comfortable and the lifestyle that you have, right? So always in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what if I wouldn't have a shop? What if I would step back? What would I do for my life to be still comfortable and enjoyable and enough money coming in that I can do the things that I want to do? And it's, you know, after doing this for so long, sometimes... I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. Money is good and great and nice and dandy and everything, right? It helps you, but it's not everything. Right. It's not everything. So um, even this experiment that I'm doing, after 12 months, it will show me kind of, yes, Pete, this is what you can do and depends, you know, because I'm only putting in about 12 to 15 hours a week on this experiment. Um and I want to see what it sh- will show me after 12 months what I can do. Now, if I can apply, maybe I made, for example, I don't know, $18,000 in that year working 12 hours a week. Um, 
is that enough for me to live on? Probably not. But if I could apply another 12 hours, I could double that. And that might be just enough for me to be comfortable. It, it gives you a B plan uh, because, you know, you can't control what happens everywhere. This gives you another option, uh, a what if, an out, right? Because otherwise, if you put all your, you know, all your eggs in that one basket, you never know. I mean, we're seeing that with some Amazon sellers right now where they're struggling because, you know, rules and changes and things. I saw a guy who just said that he lost one of his largest wholesale accounts because they decided to start selling their own product. Well, he's got to scramble now, and he's got a plan, so I don't want to downsize that. But it's real. Those out things outside of your control can happen. So you're saying, hmm, let me put something else back in my control. Prove this method out. Make sure it's working. You get to exp- back to you get to experiment again, because of the business life you've created. That's a pretty cool thing. I mean, it's, that's exactly right because everything. It's unpredictable, right? I mean, the store is going great. I'm doing okay. But three years from now, it might not be. It's so unpredictable overall. Um, and then what's the plan B? So that's exactly what you said, that maybe in, in the same sense, I'm creating a plan B uh, if something would ever happen. Well, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about what I would ask you to give for advice for people. Um, Because, you know, you think about people who are stuck or saying, you know, because a whole bunch of friends, uh, I'm assuming in your circles too, are opening these mattress by appointment stores because that's the hot thing. And, you know, it it fascinates me um, what they're doing. And I see it. I get it. I understand what it is. It's a convenience factor. I'd rather buy a mattress from somebody I know then buy it from one of these stores. So that, that makes perfect sense. It's almost like a car, right? I see it, but is that a B plan or is that today the hot market and it's going to change and evolve again? And so I think having that second opportunity and trying it and saying, yeah, this works. I didn't like it. Okay, adjust and do it again. How about your kids? I, yeah, I know your, your, your daughters have uh, both graduated from college or one's graduated, the other one's getting ready. Uh, they're still both in school. Okay, both well, still own, in school. Yeah, yeah. Any interest in this world for them at all in any way? Um, sadly to say, no. <laughs> they don't. They see it as piles of junk. Dad sells junk. Well, maybe not so much junk. It's just they have a little bit different different visions. Um, as you know, my older one, uh, which will graduate the vet school next year, that's her passion. Animals cool. were her passion or her life. She always wanted to be a vet. And I get that. And I'm like, honey, if you can reach that goal, 100% go for it. I'll support you all the way. Um, you know, so they have a little bit different mindset. They had hobbies for a very long time, something that they wanted to pursue and uh and more power to them you know so um that's got to be pretty cool that is freeing um because they're not bound by that business either that they get to live their dreams that's that's a pretty cool thing as a dad (laughs) absolutely absolutely now when you said you know what can i give somebody the advice to try um something something that will help them maybe create a business is just don't take baby steps 
on everything that you do, take baby steps and try it and see if it works for you. Um, you can always move on to the next project, but if you don't try it, you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just take time. Nothing happens overnight um, in any kind of business. I mean, you know, stories that you hear, I made a million dollars in a month. Come on. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. So it's it's all work. It's persistence. It's staying on top of your things and just, you know, being patient. People- yeah, I was thinking about what you were saying about with Vicky coming in and improving your process that she's only she's relatively new to your company. So you were in business for a long time and then she comes in and sharpens it even further. To me, those are those baby steps, right? That's a perfect example of you know, now we're ready for this and she can come in and make it better. I think that's really smart. Absolutely. And also even with her, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight too. It took time to develop that and learn her process and, you know, what she's got to offer. So it didn't happen within 30 days or 60 days. It took a while, you know, so just being patient and, and, and giving yourself the opportunity to try the new things and see if they work. Yeah, this whole episode's an experiment. I love, I, I think that you've designed this, you're figuring it out. Um, it's not perfect, um, but that's what makes it kind of cool and interesting. The fact that you're still interested after 20 years means a lot. I mean, how many of your friends still love what they do passionately? Not many. Very few. Okay, Peter. So Craigslist Hunter is your uh, YouTube channel. You're out there all the time. I mean, you're putting up a lot of videos uh, right now. You seem to be putting a lot out again. Um, what? Let me ask you this. What keeps that piece going? I know, I know you said you love it. That, that fervor to teach others, though, where does that come from? You know what? I... I really don't know. I think I just, I'm so passionate about everything that I do that just comes naturally to, to just pass it on and, and, and show how certain things can be done. It just comes kind of naturally. Um, and I really, really enjoy it. And, you know, the, the few comments that you get here and there or emails or messages, Peter, you changed my life. Right. Uh, there's no better feeling. You expanded my boundaries. I never knew this was possible. I always thought I'd have to be chained to a desk. You mean there's more to life? I mean, that's what I see some of the comments that people write. I mean, it, it is, it's got to be very humbling. It's very humbling, extremely rewarding. And that's what keeps me going, I think. Okay. So best way to get in touch with you if they have a follow-up question, Peter. Um, Probably through Facebook or Instagram, uh, both handle names are Craigless Hunter. And of course, on YouTube, Craigless Hunter. Oh, you can always send me a private message through there. So, Okay, I'll put all those links. Man, oh man, it's been a long time. And it is very cool meeting you and uh, seeing that whole group of people. I have a couple hundred people in Chicago for a meetup. And it was Ecom Chicago, that's what it was. And uh, seeing that group of people so enthusiastic and so excited to talk about this business. It's very, very cool. Now, you are part of, uh, you and Chad do this uh, resellers rally. There's still an opportunity at some point that there might be something in Florida, I think he was mentioning, um, in this coming year. Yes, um, 
the one that we did last year I was in Chicago obviously my hometown now um, we were planning one for Florida this year the date is not set because of some uh, medical issues that Chad has mm-hmm. uh, obviously this is the territory that he's in he's going to be organizing most of it there so as of right now the date is not set but we're still hoping for the second part of the year depends uh just depends on him so but and if they follow your youtube or your instagram they would be able to find out about it correct absolutely as soon as okay. we know any dates i'm sure we it's going to be posted on on youtube and facebook so okay awesome awesome stuff man i i appreciate you coming back on i can't wait to have you back to see what's next i'm very excited and uh, i'm just so the positive vibe that you give um you can tell you love it i really really appreciate it thank you so much i wish you nothing but success thank you so much thank you for having me on thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast all the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number please remember to subscribe and like us on itunes
what a great guy. What a great story. What a great businessman. I mean, just so smart and just so well thought out. I love the way he's designed his life that he, but he cares about his family and his family being his employees and his partners. So that part of it doesn't get missed. That intentionality and that experimenting that he's doing, I just think makes life complete. Or you can go do a nine to five, sit behind a desk and work for somebody else and help them. And that might be your thing. But just imagine getting to try different things and, and some of them working, some of them not working, but learning and staying passionate about what you do even 20 plus years later. What a great guy. What a great story. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Don't forget my sponsors, you know, Solutions for E-commerce, Karen Locker. I just saw somebody else in one of the groups post that they, you know, somebody was asking, hey, can you break down what you do a week, how many hours a week? And I think they're working 12 to 14 hours a week. And they named the different things they were doing. And when it came to account management, oh, Karen Locker handles those. Well, Karen Locker is my account manager too. And that piece, of they're part of our team. You know, they really are part of our team, Karen and her people, because there's a whole section of our business that I just don't worry about anymore because she worries about it for us. And it's solutions, number four, ecommerce.com. If you go to solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum, you're going to save $50 off her monthly fee. And it's $50 in perpetuity. That's a pretty cool thing. You're very, very quickly. It doesn't cost you any more than that. She pays me. We all know that. Um, but we use her and I pay the same price you do. The other cool thing she does for my listeners is she'll do an inventory health report. She doesn't do that for anybody else. And it's a very cool thing because it kind of gives you a chance, you know, uh, to look at your business, right? You just, by the time this came out, the long-term storage fees have come, but the new fees are here. And so you got to start thinking about this, you know, what do I want to do with my inventory? What's the health look like? And Karen does that for you, with you. Um, She's expanded into other things. She helps with eBay listings. She helps, uh, you know, when I bring product variations to market, Karen handles that for me. I mean, it's just a huge part of our business. Again, they're part of our team and we're very, very lucky to have it. So solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum, save the 50 bucks. Tell Karen I sent you. Take care.